1: Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 334 of the Malouli Asset Management Podcast. This is Tim Malouli. Brendan is here with me today. Brendan, how's it going? Going well.
0: It's the end of the year. You know what that means.
1: Tis the season. Last year, uh, we'll start off with this. Last year, episode 287, if you go back, was called Tis the season for 2020 market forecasts. This one, appropriately, we'll say Tis the season for 2021 market forecasts. Um, so how many
0: people foresaw in
1: their market forecast for 2020 uh, how
0: this year was going to go?
1: Approximately zero. Yeah. <laughs> there might be some people out there who uh, their their numbers might be somewhat accurate, but the route that we took to get there, literally no one could have predicted what happened throughout right. this year.
0: And and also, like, if you went back to this time last year and instead of giving a price target, you gave somebody the information about what was going to happen. Here are the events that's
1: going to happen over, over the year of 2020, right? Where, what's your price target now?
0: Right, exactly. So, so I think even if you had all the information, the playbook, meaning like, you know, there's, there are the known events, like, like we're going to have an election later in the year. And, oh, by the way, we're going to have a pandemic in the beginning of the year. And that's going to stretch the entirety of the rest of the year. What do you want to do with stocks as a result? Yeah, Most people probably would have said sell or be hedged or buy bonds or puts or gold or some other sort of stuff. And that's been not at all what, what you would have wanted to do this year,
1: surprisingly. 2020 has just been a good reminder for price targets since the last month of the year here in December. Every year you see people coming out with their price targets for the following year. It's just a good reminder that these price targets are, you know, at best entertainment and at worst, uh, harmful nonsense if you're taking action on some of these price targets with your investments.
0: Yeah, th- this is, you know, you're, you're going to see people from different banks, uh, investment shops, and they're going to be making the rounds on their their white paper notes or, or their yeah. you know, TV appearances to say that, you know, the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones or the 10-year yield or Bitcoin. This is where they're going to end 2021. And like, it it it's all just nonsense. It's guesses. But it, it kind of gets passed off as something more scientific than that. Like people are giving very, they'll give you very precise numbers in these predictions that makes it seem like they've done quantum physics behind the
1: scenes to come up with this price target when, right. when in reality, it's it's just a guess. Yeah. Some people tend to rag on the people. Like it, it, it might sound like we're ragging on the the people that make these forecasts or these price targets. But the only reason they're doing it is because people, people out there in the general public want to hear them. Yeah. You know. So it's a it's a two way street. There. It's like they wouldn't need to make these price targets if people didn't demand it from them. Yeah. Stop demanding price targets from people, and you won't have to hear their uh, their guesses. You, you also. Important to
0: keep in mind too that like folks will make price targets now. We saw this a year ago. So you'll make you'll make a price target now at the end of twenty nineteen, last year. At the end of twenty nineteen that says this is where I think things will end up at the end of twenty twenty. And then a twelve year or a twelve month
1: price target. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and so then they'll come back after like, the market action we saw in February and March and amend their price end target. End of the first quarter. Well, now considering what's happened in the first quarter, this is where I think the year will end up. The rest, rest of the year, 2020
1: right. price target. So they'll The amend,
0: nine-month price target. Right. They'll amend it lower. Yeah. And then over the summer, as things start to recover, they come back out and say, well, considering all of this and the progress we've made, here's where we think the year is ending up. And so what they, what they ultimately end up doing is they basically shoot an arrow And then walk at the end of the year and draw a bullseye around it and start celebrating as if they called it. Yeah. See how right we were. (laughs) And you don't need that sort of information to invest appropriately. Like You you didn't need to have a 2020 price target to do well this year. What, What you actually needed to do was understand your own time horizon and why you're investing in the first place so that you were set up appropriately to endure the downside volatility of February, March, and then also... And uh, reap the rewards of the recovery that we've seen since March.
1: Right, like you said too, in the, uh, a little bit earlier. Like even if you knew the events, you still don't know what the market's going to do. So we always talk about how predicting the future is impossible. But like you would have needed to predict two things correctly to to be right here in. 2020, if you were trying to jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out, based not on only, what's going yeah, right. on. So not only do you, you would have to had nail to nail f-
0: the unknowable event, but you have yeah. to
1: then predict how people are
0: going to react to that event, which yeah. is even more impossible than foreseeing right. something in the first place, because it involves human emotions yeah. for millions of people across the face of the earth. Yeah.
1: So your price target would have had to see COVID-19 coming, and then it would have also had to see how people were going to react to that in terms of the market, and also,
0: like, stimulus response from yeah. the Fed and from Congress. And, 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 and what
1: kind of that and what kind of impact they were going to have on the market right. and how people thought about that. And some so of the like, stuff <laughs> they
0: did was, like, these are things that we've never even seen before. So to predict that would have been, like, wow, like, you really think they're going to they're do that? There's no precedent for that. This whole year has been un, unprecedented this, unprecedented that. And, and right. So, yeah, I mean, and you don't need to play these games, I guess, is... Is what we're telling folks, and I right. think that's what we told them last year too. That we didn't, we didn't need yeah. to have a price target to make a, a, an appropriate portfolio for for clients.
1: I went back and I re-listened to episode two eighty seven when we were talking about people's twenty twenty price targets, and a lot of the conversation in in twenty nineteen uh, was about interest rates and you know the Fed, and, and there was no mention of COVID nineteen. There was no mention of a pandemic. There was no mention of Vaccines, stimulus, recessions. At that point, we didn't even know that Joe Biden was going to be. We didn't know who was going to be running uh, the Democratic nominee, so we didn't even know what the election was going to look like or what was going to happen from that. But it, I mean, the the messages that we had were the same at the end of 2019 as they have been throughout the year, and as they still are today, going into 2021.
0: Yeah. So you know, and sometimes. Sometimes it is a kind of uh, it. it's it's a boring message sometimes because because a lot of the advice we have is evergreen. And, and sometimes it seems like, well, there's no way that evergreen advice could be right. Considering this, this is this right. is totally different. Like this is something we've never seen before. And, you know, I, I think I'd err on the side of saying that that's not the case. And that's that's a trap. And I think that when it seems like the eat your vegetables kind of boring advice that sometimes we uh, have to give out when, when, it, when it most seems like that is no longer appropriate is exactly when you need to do it Yeah, th- the most. And it seemed like that in, in multiple cases this year, not only during the sell off earlier uh, when when the virus first hit, but, yeah. you know, also in, in the month or two leading up to the presidential election. Yeah. And you know, we had plenty of discussion about that here on the podcast and in, in videos and on the blog.
1: So there's pretty much two two textbook examples of staying the course and, and our message here, like you said, the, the boring eat your vegetables, uh, kind of sit there, do nothing approach. It worked out two times this year so far. Uh, again, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but based on things that have transpired, it, as time goes on, it seems like that's usually the, the thing to do. Our
0: advice is never going to be right because some short-term market view of ours has been proven, proven correct or anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's never because of that. And so you're right to say that like it, we don't know what the short-term brings for the market, and we'll never purport to know that. Right. However, we, we do uh, purport and understand our client's and what they're doing, and their circumstances, and, and what they're comfortable with, and their goals, we we do understand all that stuff. And that's how we're building our portfolios. And I think that that's why we can help folks get through a year like this yeah. uh, successfully, because those are the things that matter, even even when they don't seem like they're the most important things.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and you know, on top of that broader message of how events impact the market, I mean, we the, another message that we talked about in 287 last year was about the benefits of diversification and, uh, you know, how big name stocks can can come and go. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the benefit of having exposure to different areas, we were talking about the different, you know, decades uh, where... International was the place to be, or you know, you did better in bonds than U.S. stocks or different areas of the stock market. Man, we just and, and it's we, it's still we just, valid.
0: We just saw that with the returns that we saw in November. Yeah, exactly. That, that was a perfect perfect case in point of, of what you're describing in in terms of most of the year, large cap U.S. stocks and technology stocks did really well through all of all of the virus, and yep. uh, you obviously. Realize the the value of having bonds in your portfolio during the sell off, yeah. uh, you know, in March. But just last month, and we saw the S and P 500 up 10. percent But we saw some other areas of the market, meaning some of this diversification you're talking about, do even better. You know, small cap stocks were up 16 percent uh, in the month of November. Yeah, that was that was their best month in a ever month. recorded for the for the S and P 600 index which is the small cap stocks yeah and
1: surprisingly enough or maybe not the worst ever month
0: for them was march of
1: this year yeah and i know we've said it before either on podcasts or videos but you know the the research shows that usually the best and worst months for the market in general or different areas like you're saying small caps those best and worst the extremes tend to happen really close to each other So it's hard to jump in and jump out because you might be jumping out to avoid one of the worst months, but odds are you're not going to get back in before you you potentially miss one of the best months. Yeah, there was, there were absolutely,
0: there's no, there's no signal or sign uh, in, in March to say that like small caps are about to get creamed, worst month ever, just as there was no sign uh, as, the, as the calendar turned from October to November that they were about to take off and have their best month ever, yeah, and so mm-hmm. short of having something like that, which hint, hint does not exist, short of having something like that, I think, I think you just need to make sure that you, you own some of these areas and that you do so in proportions that are appropriate, given what you're trying to accomplish, which is exactly what we help clients with we, yeah. we can't we can't do short term market timing. To nail these these tops and bottoms or best and worst worst months, but we can help people to to own these things in reasonable proportions, given given their goals and what they're trying to do.
1: You know, it doesn't always work out the way that it did in in November. I mean, so today's December third, it's one month from election day. There are plenty of people who who wanted to you know kind of wait out. The election and see what happens. Should oh, we sir, take sir, some sir. money off the table? We don't know what's going to happen either way, depending on who wins yeah. before the election, leading up to it. Once the quote-unquote dust settles, we'll be able to,
0: Better you know, recess, get
1: get back in. That, right. right, exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't always work out this way, but like it, it was a it was a, classic a, cl- example, a clear classic uh, yeah. example
0: of why you, why you can't do stuff like that. Exactly, because like I just said, small cap stops up. Sixteen percent in that month. Right. Mid cap up twelve. Value stocks, which had been lagging all year, up fourteen. Right. The S and P five hundred, even just the plain old market, up ten. Yeah. You can't afford to miss that many ten percent months over your investing lifetime because if yeah. if you miss enough of them, they don't happen that often, and and you're just all you're doing is you're eroding your returns. And I know that in a lot of cases it may have seemed like the smarter savvy thing to do because there's a lot of uncertainty there's this big event that everybody's worried about seems like a great time to just wait and see but it was it wasn't a great time to wait and see there's was still the un- of that.
1: and there's still uncertainty yeah, yeah, there, are still, there are right, still there are still things up in the air we don't
0: have all the answers like and we're yeah. never going to there's always going to be a crisis de jour on the horizon right. and and you know that's that's just something that we have to deal with as investors that's why we make money by owning stocks, it's it's for bearing you that take uncertainty, risk. right? Yeah, it's because we don't know. If we knew for sure how everything was going to play out, there would be no risk involved. Yeah,
1: exactly. There's trade offs to wanting to see how things play out versus to just, you know, potential potentially buckle up yeah, for right. whatever's going to happen. Understand
0: that there's uncertainty. Try to try to wrap your mind around what the potential outcomes could be. Yeah, and then and then do something based upon your comfort levels of of what the possibilities are.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's it's easier said than done to look at what's going on in the country whether it's political or to what's going on in the stock market. I mean, and your your own personal investments. It's hard to it feels like everything is intertwined. Like this is going on in the country so or this is going on, this headline is saying this. So like I think my stocks are going to go down. It's like it's really hard to separate everything out from like getting caught up in what's happening versus your own long term portfolio. It's yeah. It's really hard to separate the two. But but, but you that's have to. like you have to do your best with it. That's the yeah. Yeah. That's where you want to get to. So
0: having said all that, where do you think the S and P ends twenty twenty one, Tim?
1: <laughs> one funny thing actually from uh, episode two eighty seven, we were talking about different stocks that were around that are no longer around anymore. Yeah. And uh, one that Tom said on that podcast was Eastman Kodak, <laughs> and uh, we were talking about, or you guys were talking about how, you know, Kodak was once a massive stock, and how it's essentially, it's bankrupt now, yep. and uh, out of business, and little did we know, Kodak was going to have a quick 15 seconds of fame here in 2020, do you yeah. remember that? <laughs> yeah, hot second where
0: we were all talking about them, Yeah, uh, everyone's... this year, with people Buying their stock on on Robinhood and and things like that. Uh, yeah, that, that is funny. Yeah,
1: there there was a chart that we have talked about before, and it it goes back to you know listening to people on TV uh, or these guys that are making these price targets, and it's important to remember you know who they are. Where they're coming from and their incentives and like why why they're why they might be saying what they're saying the chart and we'll link to it in the show notes I think we've posted it before but it's called like the Armageddonist chart because it's a handful of guys that for the last decade essentially have been saying get out of the stock market and go to cash which yeah I mean you look back it at just what's shows, happened it's, it
0: shows that if you if you flipped and you did what they said on the date they said it like what what your retur- returns would have been right. like. Uh, there and it's the opposite the... of the chart you'd like to see it's it's from the top left to the bottom right they're all money losing trades so yeah uh you know maybe eventually they're vindicated but i think the important point like like you said tim is, is to just remember that when somebody's giving a price target there's there's something to it so they're probably talking their own book or or uh you know it could even be a, a veiled like commercial for whatever it is that they do and, yeah and it's it's Listen, if if you want to watch that sort of stuff and use it as entertainment, that's great. But like, don't don't go making changes to your investments or even really considering it based on what yeah anybody has to say.
1: Right? Yeah. The, I mean, it might seem like they're speaking directly to you, but they're not your fiduciary advisor. They don't have your best interests personally yeah, they've, they've in no mind. They have no idea what you're doing. And, yeah. and
0: they probably aren't even doing anything as a result of those guesses with their own money.
1: Exactly. It, it would be great to see a graphic on the TV screen of someone who's giving advice about the direction of the market or their price target for the next year and you know, put that next to... What are they what doing are, as Yeah. How is their money invested? You yeah. know, What are they doing for if they manage... A hedge fund or you know clients' money. What are they doing with that? I think there's something to be said. You you mentioned the phrase earlier: not wrong, just early. That doesn't really apply when the time frame there is a decade. Yeah, you're just wrong at that point. Yeah. Eventually, these guys that on this on the chart and people that are that that make these sort of calls, they they may eventually be right. But if you're wrong for ten years before that. I mean, that's matter. not the track record that you want. You're yeah. just wrong at that point.
0: You, I mean, so you can call you can call for market corrections or drops uh, in stocks, you know, as much as you want, and eventually you're going to be right because eventually markets do go down, just like they eventually go up too. And yeah. so that's there's nothing to say that's useful information to yeah. predict the market going down, and unless you have. An exact date and the amount that, that it's going to go down. I'm not sure that that's even helpful to folks, but it, it certainly gets headlines. It gets you invited back onto talk shows and all that uh, articles written about what you have to say. So uh, it, it accomplishes that. I'm not sure it, it really helps anybody. And, and again, I'm not sure that folks predicting that sort of thing are, are necessarily going out and shorting stocks or yeah. doing anything as a result of it.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, these guys who are perpetually bearish in a sense about the market, at least for the last decade, the chart was updated to show this year as well. So the market, we did see an extremely quick bear market, but we went down 35%. And, you know, the chart reflects that, but these guys still are, you know, net net incorrect. Yeah. Um, So it just goes to show, I mean, if you told these guys, before the year started, what was going to happen too. I mean, they would double down on their predictions mm-hmm. and they'd still be wrong.
0: Yeah. It's a game you don't it, have to play. Yeah. Unless you want to be a guest on financial TV shows. And then I guess yeah. you do have to play it, but uh, that's fortunately not something that we have to sign up for.
1: Right. It feels like it doesn't need to be said over and over again, but predicting the future is impossible. Right. And we say it a lot, but it bears repeating because... For some reason, you know, people out there like to try and convince other people that they can do it. Yeah. We're here to say that that is not the case.
0: We can't, you can't, <laughs> nobody can, and it's totally okay. And yep. you, don't, you don't need to, to be a good investor.
1: Yeah. So I fully look forward to having our Tis the Season 2021 podcast <laughs> next year. One thing that I did want to bring up, this is not market related, but it had to do with some predictions that we made, and it drives the point home that Predicting the future is really, really hard. We're going into week 12, I think, or 13 of the NFL season. And I remember we were sitting here weeks ago at the beginning, right before week one. And I asked you what you thought the Jets were going to do this year. What
0: did I say? (laughs) I think
1: you said... Either five and eleven or six and ten. All right, so I was bearish, but
0: not bearish enough.
1: <laughs> I said they were going to go like five hundred, and if any of you are, <laughs> if any of you are NFL watchers or Jets fans along with us, um, I feel your pain, and also it just shows how very wrong we were.
0: We'll we'll stick to helping folks with their investments. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 334 of the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.